This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. Matt, it's Adam calling. How are you doing? Good. Good. You? <laughs> Not too bad. I'm, I'm hoping this is our last installment of uh, riding in cars with realtors here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, me too. I, I'm sorry I'm catching you off guard. I know you're, you're driving back to Vancouver right now. Where where are you I'm exactly? Dri- I'm, dri- I'm driving back to Vancouver, literally behind the wheel, uh, between Golden and Revelstoke. Okay. Four provinces, two days. Uh, I'm ready to. I'm ready to be home. Nice, nice. Well, I'm. I'm kind of catching be, you be, off guard. Yeah, you are. I'll be. I'll be back in Vancouver tonight. Back in Vancouver tonight. Okay, and then back to our regular program starting next week because we've got some. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've got some amazing guests lined up, and I should say next week we've got uh, a, a gentleman by the name of. Charles Montgomery, who was actually requested by a lot of our listeners. He's written a book called Happy City, Transforming Our Lives Through Urban Design. Uh, It's an award-winning book. It's a great book. And uh, we have him on the program next week. So we're really excited about that. And then we've also got... Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Yeah, and we've got Murtaza Haider as well, who um, has been on the program in the past. But obviously, he writes for the Financial Post, and he is... uh, 
has become really a, a real estate expert and talking head kind of in the in the industry right across Canada, and he's based out of Toronto. So we are super excited to have Murtaza back as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murtaza is also a professor at, at Ryerson University in Toronto. So right, he's uh, he, he's going to be good, and he's he's one of those guys that's got a lot. He doesn't pull punches. He's got he's got opinions, that's for sure. Absolutely, Matt. So this week, um, the reason, and I mean, you're kind of not privy to what my idea was for this week's show. Um, but I'm thinking I've had a ton of, well, we both have had a ton of questions come in through um, our email system. In, the info at Vancouver Real yeah, Estate yeah, Podcast. Yeah. The, the bias, <laughs> the, the non-bias uh, secret line. Um, yeah, it, it's almost become a bit of a, a question box. Yeah, yeah, like uh, it it's uh, or or um, a place where people often wage their critiques as well. We'll have to start reading some. Yeah, we will, we will. But what, but what we'll what we'll do here is, we've got four questions today that I think we should just shed light on, and some of them came out of previous episodes where it was just you and I giving tips, people either challenging or asking us to go further on some of these questions, and then there's just some general questions that we've had from buyers and sellers. So why don't we, um, oh, and also, before we get to these questions, we've got a book to give away. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Vancouverism, Larry Beasley's signed book that we've been giving away for weeks. Yes. Should we go into how you can enter into this draw? Yeah, Matt, and maybe you can tell people. Okay, so you've put me on the spot here a little bit, but let me think. You type in into Google, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. On the right-hand side, you're going to see our business page. Uh, it's got a photo of you and I, Adam, it's got a review button. You hit review, you write a review. This gets you entered into our draw to give away a signed copy of Vancouverism from Larry Beasley. We're giving away one a week for the foreseeable future. And we do have a winner this week, but maybe we'll save that for the end of this, uh, this episode. Does that sound good? That, that sounds fantastic. And we should say that you, you don't have a lot of competition. I think there's only 56 reviews. And um, we've excluded uh, our parents and our, our grandparents. So, so really, you're in good standing. It's not, it's not that difficult, although we do thank everyone who has, who has given the reviews. And yes. there was, uh, there's been some really, really uh, kind words recently. So thank you, everybody, yeah. for, for those. Yes. So, Matt, this week, it's a little bit different of a format. I think we're just going to get right into four listener questions. Lots of great tips going to come out of this conversation, I'm sure. Um, and these Hopefully. questions, a lot of them you're hearing for the first time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, and so, so this will be, uh, it'll be an interesting conversation, but let's just jump right into it. Sounds good to me. Okay, Matt. So question number one comes from Tim R. in Vancouver. He is an investor. And this is actually, I think, in connection to our last episode, episode 182, five essential tips for buying in this current Vancouver real estate market. And Tim asks, I, well, first of all, he says, I liked your tip, don't fear the Reaper. Um, sorry, the Reno. Wait, not um, Repo. Yeah, yeah. Reaper. <laughs> yeah, the Repo. Repo Man. One of your favorite movies growing up. Uh, yeah, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, you were, you were more of a, you started out as a Martin Sheen fan and then you graduated through his children. <laughs> um, I am looking to do a flip right now. What should I absolutely avoid? Okay, so Tim is looking for clarification on our Don't Fear the Reno tip from last week. And right now, Matt, just in thinking in the current climate in Vancouver with the market the way it is right now, just basically balanced, uh, even slightly falling in, in many of the different sub 
markets. What would be some further advice for what to avoid in a market like this? What to, well, it, interesting. Uh, this makes me think of another point we made last week uh, about what was, how do we frame it? Uh, think global, buy local. Um, there's a couple of segments of the market that I would be avoiding right now for sure. And, and those are the higher price points. Depending on the market, um, it really feels like the entry-level markets for single family, the two-bed market, the one-bed market are all doing well. But it's that high price points in each of these markets that, that really seems to be getting hammered. And I'm not sure that that's going to change so, in the near term. So basically what you're saying is we should be avoiding the higher price bands. And when we say higher price bands, you're likely looking in most markets of about, well, it, it, it's different for every sub market, but say downtown, that might be above $1.5 uh, million is where you start to see sales ratios drop off considerably. You see a lot of pressure in that under 1.25 kind of market. So that would be like an example of, of, of staying kind of in the price point for each market where the local market exists. Yeah, or another one would be, say, on the west side between even 1.75 to 2.5 right now, even maybe 2.75. Uh, but when you get above, when you get above that on the west side, it, it drops off considerably as well. Um, so there's another example, right? You want to hit that where, where the locals are buying, and uh, and that's generally entry level at a, in a lot of these markets. And so, Tim and anyone else listening, the way to do this is we actually have stats on our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. You can sign up for our stats. We hand out. Every month, the sales ratios where we break them down, not only by price band, but by sub area. So that means instead of looking at just like Vancouver West or Vancouver East, you can look at Yaletown or you can look at Renfrew or you can look at each sub market and the sub price bands and figure out exactly which market is active enough to actually want to do a flip in to make sure that you can sell the end product. So that's, I think, a, a really good one, Matt, is to highlight avoid kind of the higher price points or the areas that are really suffering right now where the sales ratios are very low. So kind of around that one out of 10 homes or less selling well, each month. Well, Adam, Adam, here's a question for you. Sure. Would you, would you even be taking on a flip right now? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. So I want to, I want to elaborate on this question a little bit more. So one of the rules that I would have if I was doing a flip, and I, I think I would do a flip in this market for sure, because I think that there's there are opportunities right now for distressed properties. And there's people, depending on what kind of advice or what they're reading in the newspaper, that might be freaking out and be willing to let a distressed property go um, at, a, at a really, really great price, which creates an opportunity then for somebody looking to do a flip. Um, one rule that I would have in this market is I would avoid long rehabs. So like complete overhauls, I'm not going to take on in a market like this. I would look at from buying myself, renovating and selling all within about a 90 day window, I would want in and out of that project. And kind of a 90 to 100, 120 days, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, it goes back to what we've said on this program before. Typically, we can see the market about what's happening or what's going to be happening about three months out or so. Once you start getting past the next three months, it starts to get a bit trickier um, as to where the market's going to be. But generally speaking, I think if you bought something and you ran your numbers today and you were in and out of there in about three or four months, 
you know, I don't think those numbers are going to change too dramatically. And, you know, there's ways to factor in slight offsets or percentage differences um, when you're calculating your number to make sure that the number still makes sense if there is a slight downturn. Great advice. But, you know, but in thinking of that, Matt, you know, you're not in this situation where something like you bought a house, a really, really rough house that has to basically be rebuilt from the, from the down, from the ground up, or you're adding a level to the house, or you're, you're lifting the house, or all those complicated things that you do in busier markets. Um, you know, you don't want to be in that situation now because with permits and timelines and everything else, you could be in a situation where you're six months to a year out and who knows where the market's going to be at that time. Well, yeah, and it also it just makes me think of pre-sales. There's a reason why the pre-sale market's hurting so so bad uh, right now with investors as well. Obviously, the price appreciation is the is the, the motivating factor to to pick up a pre-sale. Right. And I think if you can if you can buy something that's got the real lag in in the completion date where you're looking, you know, out three four years, I think it's still probably a, a really smart buy. But if you're looking at the kind of 12 to 18 months that's the real that's the real x factor uh, right now in this market and, and i think you're right it's you want you, you want to be looking at something uh you know i'm i'm quite confident uh about this fall and knowing how this fall is going to play out 20 2020 is kind of a different story uh, especially the further out we look so um yeah that, i think i think that all makes a lot of sense for sure matt and and okay so so the last thing I want to uh, want to say on this on this question to maybe help Tim is the backup plan thing, and we've we've talked about this at length as well. But this idea of having a plan B and a plan C, and it doesn't mean that you're actually going to have to opt for the plan B or the plan C, but at least you have it. So, for example, um, ways to kind of make sure that you're in a good spot is potentially if you buy something that's going to be a ninety day rehab and it doesn't go your way you want to make sure that you can still rent it or potentially move in, right? So that could be, so plan A could be, I'm going to flip this place. And if plan A doesn't work, plan B is I'm going to keep it as a rental and the numbers make sense to me. I can carry it or I'm offsetting it enough that it's it's not going to, it's not going to be a crippling experience for me, right? Um, and then plan C could be, you know what? I'm going to renovate it to a, a level that I'm willing to live in this place. I like the area. I like the location. Worst case scenario, I have to live here for a year or two until the market turns around. Right, right. But And we, we kind of touched on that last week. But uh, from our conversation last week to this week, it sounds like if, if it's a short-term rental, uh, at least you'd be confident right now. Well, you know what? I mean, I've been running numbers uh, with some of the flippers that we work with, um, looking at, at opportunities right now. And I think there is are definitely properties out there that make sense. Um, again, you have to be in those those areas where where the resale opportunities are are really are really excellent. Um, and then you also have to have to be very careful with your numbers um, and your timelines, right? And I I, I do think that there are are good opportunities out there. And um, yeah, I, I, I would say I would be confident for sure. One thing to note, Adam, and just what you're saying about flipping is, uh, and I think you're probably indicative of, of the market more generally, if we were talking about this in February, March of, of this year, so five, six months ago, I think to a person, nobody would be keen to take on a rental uh, to flip in, in three, four or five months, right? 
So it does feel like if that's any sign of, of the confidence uh, coming back a little bit, at least into the market, uh, I think, I think it's a, a positive sign. Well, but, but before, you know, and just to kind of comment on that, Matt, here's, here's the reality is that in any real estate market, and it doesn't matter if it's a recession or if the, if the market's booming, the idea is that if you make your money in real estate and you're looking for opportunities as an investor, it doesn't mean that the market changes and you just decide that you're taking the next five years off, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, or going exactly. to learn another market. You still have to adapt and, and, and thrive in whatever market you're handed, right? So here's the, here's the situation. This is not the day, these are not the days where you bought, you know, a pre-sale condo and just, you know, went about your life for two years and made $200,000, right? So that's, that's not what's happening right now. These are also not the days where, uh, you know, the margins for flips or for, for new construction, et cetera, are all there and it's, and it's easy and everybody, you know, that has a tool belt can make money in the city. So you just have to be creative and you have to focus on the opportunities that exist in a, in a down market. Money is still cheap. Money is still easily accessible and there's still opportunities in any market. You just have to be strategic. And the good news for you is if you are smart in how you approach projects right now or, or ways to make money in, in the Vancouver real estate market right now, a lot of the competition has moved to the sidelines, which means that it's it's your opportunity to capitalize capitalize on those opportunities if you're smart and you're willing to take the risk. Fair point. Fair point. All right. Question two. Okay, Matt. So number two, a, a couple people actually had this question and it must be, it, there's there's something going on right now where we're seeing a lot more people on the for sale signs people having pre-inspections done. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have actually. And I think it's, uh, my, my guess is it's, it's partly a function of, of the market we're in, um, that, that buyers are looking, I mean, it's, it's just an added benefit, right? An added benefit to a buyer to know that there's, there's already been an inspection done by the seller on their home. And this is, we should say, Primarily in, in at least in my experience in the single family market, but uh, uh, but yeah. So the question actually is, and you're jumping the gun here, Matt. But uh, the question is, should I get a pre inspection before I sell my home? First of all, what would be the the pros in your opinion of getting a pre inspection? So the the pros, well, I, yeah, I kind of alluded to it when I said that uh, that buyers like it. I mean, um, do buyers like it? The first inkling that I have is is if I was with a buyer and there was a pre-inspection, they would still want their own inspection done by their inspector, right? Or by an inspector that you recommend. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't take the, the pre-inspection as, as, as the inspection. No, no, no way. What, what it suggests to me is there's a, there's a level of confidence. The sellers have, are doing a, have a, done a level of due diligence right. and have a level of confidence uh, with the product that they're selling, um, that, that would just give me, that gives me confidence, right? They've already done a pre-inspection. If there was issues, presumably they've dealt with them, or at least they know about them already. Um, and are willing to, well, in fact, in most cases probably have to disclose, uh, those issues. So, so it just gives, I would not say that this means don't get an inspection, but what it does say is, Hey, these guys, these guys are serious. Uh, they're ready to sell and they're, and they're ready to tie their, they've already dealt with issues that have come up or they're confident that there are no issues. 
Right. And and let's talk about that because this kind of ties in with some of the advice that we've given on the program before that when you're selling your home, you want to take care of all the potential objections, right? That a buyer might have. So we kind of, we, we do it a little bit differently. Often before we're listing a property, we do a very thorough walkthrough where we point out anything that could be a potential objection. So if there's a what looks like an old water stain on a ceiling or something like that. We're dealing with it. If there looks like uh, grouting that needs to be replaced or, or, you know, or the place is filthy or an appliance needs to be replaced. These are things that are, are not a huge amount of money that you can do up front just to make sure that you have a smoother sale. Right. Yeah. And, and exactly. in this case, you're just, you're just doing it. Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, instead of just doing the thorough walkthrough, you're having a pre-inspection, you're finding out about every deficiency in the house, and then you're taking care of it. And and one reason I can think of why you would want to do that is, is just for the fact that if you've taken care of everything, if you have a buyer, there's lots of buyers out there who will uh, collapse a deal over something very, very small found in an inspection. And we, we've seen this before, and it's, and it's up to each buyer, right? But at the end of the day, if you're buying a a $1.5 million house and you're, you're collapsing it because there's a, a little bit of water behind some of the tiles in, in the bathroom that could be like a $2,500 fix. In the grand scheme of things, that's kind of small potatoes, right? Um, but as a seller, you want to definitely take care of that repair prior to and make sure that the inspection is, is flawless, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a, a few points on that from the seller's perspective and why it benefits the seller. Uh, one is... Everybody's doing inspections right now, um, especially, especially like I said, in the single family market, it's, it's uh, I would say, unless it's a teardown, it's basically 100%. They're going to find, these issues are going to be, you're going to have to deal with them, right? They're going to turn up. Whether you find them first and decide to deal with them or you wait for them to find them and deal with them then, um, they're going to turn up. You have to deal with them. And in my mind, if you're dealing with them at your own pace before you hit the market, making sure you got uh, good quotes, good contractors coming in, doing the work. You're not going to have to deal with them later, as opposed to being under the gun where you might have to get them done uh, or there's going to be a holdback. And holdbacks are, they're a pain. They're a pain. And and people, buyers right now, you know, for a $250 fix, they might want to hold back 800 bucks or $1,000 right? just because they don't want to deal with that issue. They, they want to make it painful for you not to do the work, right? So there's all sorts of stress involved in, in having to deal with these issues after the fact. Um, and, and yeah, I would put my money on a pre-inspection every time. And, and you're highlighting uh, something that, that I didn't even think of when I was, when I was addressing that last point, but th- this is this idea that People like the negotiation doesn't actually end until the money is in the trust, right? The deposit is in the trust account and the deal has gone firm. But up to that point, if somebody has an inspection and they find these these minor fixes, right, they're gonna want a lot more than actual than what the repair actually costs, right? So they can use that strategically, they can use that to try and grind you on price further, right up to the point where they remove conditions. Yeah, and it makes it just makes for a a less pleasant, more stressful, and potentially more costly negotiation. Right. Uh, so, of course, there is there is a downside that people uh, often point to, and, and we've talked about. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show before, but of course, learning something about your home uh, that you're going to have to disclose. Right? right. So, so in many cases, 
we see when there's not a pre-inspection done and when the inspection's done, the inspector finds out things that the seller didn't know about their home. Uh, in this case, you're you're looking for, you're going essentially looking for issues in advance and you're going to have to potentially disclose those. But in most cases, that means you're going to be fixing fixing these issues and getting a better price for your home uh, at the end. So I don't really see, I don't really see the downside there. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like anything, right? I mean, if you have an oil tank scan on a, on a detached house and you find a tank, I mean, yeah, that that's unfortunate and you'll have to get rid of the tank. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, somebody else is going to do that oil tank scan likely um, in, in their due diligence and uh, find it anyways. So, you know, whether you find it or the buyer finds it, it's going to have to be dealt with and usually on your dime. Okay, so so great great advice there in my mind. Adam, what's uh, what's his third question? So Matt, Just give it to me. The third question is, should I sell my home before buying? So obviously that's a, a popular question right now that we've been getting from listeners. Um, the market is is has been shifting. Uh, In many market segments, like we've discussed already, we're in a falling market or a fairly balanced market. Um, What is your advice? Should people be selling their homes and then going shopping, or should they be buying homes first and then selling later? Well, we've been been doing a little bit of both in this market. Um, From a straight, which one makes sense uh, from from a, a negotiating standpoint? Uh, it, it definitely makes sense to sell your place first. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, think of the market a couple of years back, Adam, and, and this is not because you don't know this, obviously. A couple of years back, what people would do is they'd buy a place and because they knew they could sell their place in a week, they would hold off and potentially make another 4 or 5% on their home. Right now, so we're in the, the exact... Flesh, op- flesh that out, Matt. So they would buy a place... That place would appreciate a few percentage while they were waiting to sell their place, and their Which place would, would appreciate. Yeah, would be appreciating, and then you and then you sell your place. So then, in other words, the property you've purchased has gone up in value, and the property you are now selling has also increased in the interim. So you make you know you might make a hundred grand or whatever it is uh, in that percentage exactly. Point. And, and I remember back in those days, occasionally uh, a buyer that had to sell as well would be would be very uncomfortable with that strategy um, just because what if my place doesn't sell? You know, what if things change? Um, but that was the, the best strategy to use at that point. And, 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 and Matt, and, and not to put too fine of a point on it, but we actually had a client in West Vancouver who purchased a home, waited, I think it was four to six months to sell his home. And took another three or four hundred k off of his mortgage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, with the long completion date, right? Right. If you can, right. If you can purchase with a long completion date uh, back in those days, that was uh, that was a strategy that everyone employed. Now, conversely, in a soft market, potentially a declining market, um, we're seeing the opposite, right? It's if anything, your house potentially is going to be worth more today than it is three months from now. I don't think. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a, a, a huge potential for it to be worth significantly less. I also, but I also don't think there's a huge potential right now for it to be worth significantly more. So I would bet on selling it uh, now as opposed to three months from now. So that, that's one kind of consideration uh, in, in these multiple considerations of this moment. So 
having a, a property sold in August as opposed to November is is a is a positive net positive thing in this market. Secondly, subject to sales, like we're putting subject to sale deals together. Um, a lot of people are. You see them all the time in this market. But a subject to sale deal uh, or a subject to sale offer, I should say, is infinitely less attractive. Right. Um, you know, I just had and it, like we just went through this where uh, we had a, a one of our listings under contract subject to sale. And, you know, we got a good we negotiated a good price, but then it, we lose control of that situation. It goes on. The, the buyer puts their property on the market. It wasn't put on the property market with us. And it's basically you have to sit and wait. Um, and and for that reason, we needed them to give us a really good uh, price for the property we were selling because the terms were not very attractive. So if you're able to sell your place first and go in without that subject to sale, that terrible subject to sale on your offer, you're undoubtedly bound to get a better deal. And in fact, I, I would argue you're going to get a significantly better deal on the buy side. What are your thoughts, Adam? Yeah, Matt, I, I definitely agree with you that a subject to sale can be an expensive subject to have. And you know what? Before I get into my thoughts, we should just clarify for people listening, if if they don't know, if you don't know, and it's 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 not popular in all markets, so there's a good chance that people haven't seen subject to sales until quite recently. Um, but it's, it's this idea that you haven't sold your property yet, but you can get an accepted offer on another property with the condition that you have the opportunity to sell your place before removing conditions and, and handing over a deposit on the new place. So it, it kind of allows you to make sure that you're sold before you buy. Exactly. So just to be clear, you know, usually it's subject to, to getting a mortgage approval, subject to inspection. In this case, it's subject to you selling another property. So if you don't sell your home, then you don't have to go through with that purchase. And obviously, the one thing we should note is usually subjects are seven to 10 days. A subject to sale is generally anywhere from 30 to 60 days. So you have kind of a couple months uh, in which you have a property under contract and you're trying to sell sell your home. But but it's uh, so that, that's exactly what it is. But Adam, are you in line with me in thinking that uh, that a subject to sale is uh, is something you want to generally avoid? Well, yeah, I I do think that if you have the opportunity to sell your place and then go shopping and you give yourself maybe a longer close, like ideally 90 days to find something, you're in a much better position because you can write competitive offers because a lot of people are going to be writing subject to sale offers out there. Um, if, if an offer comes in without the subject to sale, people are going to probably negotiate more liberally um, in order to not have to deal with that subject to sale, if that makes sense. So one, is it better positions you on the buy side? Um, and then two is is really the thing that you want to avoid in a falling market. Like we talked about in a rising market, you buy first, sell later. In a falling market, you want to make sure that you sell first, buy later. And it's just for that same same principle of you can, uh, first of all, if the market, you, you might sell it at, at what is becoming a high benchmark in the market and then buy at a lower price point if the market downtrends by a few percentage points. So you might actually make a little bit of money by having that gap of selling first and then buying second. But more importantly than that is you want to be in a situation where you're not carrying two assets in a falling market because that can be a, a, 
obviously a huge financial risk. Um, you know, if if you have one property and it goes down by three to five percent, that's one thing. But if you have two properties that go down by <laughs> three to five percent, that's where you find yourself in a in a tricky spot. Um, and let's let's be honest too. A lot of people need the money from the sale of their home in order to purchase that next property. Anyways, they need to 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 use that that equity. Um, for their down payment or to get the financing. Or to get yeah. the financing. And so that's really uh, likely the best case scenario for most people. So quick rule of thumb, Matt, in a rising market, buy then sell. In a falling market, sell then buy. That would be my advice. Yeah, great advice. I think that's a, a great rule of thumb. The only thing to add here, um, and we've had success uh, with this this year, is with families moving through the market, um, obviously you need to be protecting yourself financially, right? That That's a key uh, component of moving through this market. But at the same time, you might not actually want to sell your place unless you find a place that you really like. Like that's the, that's the whole game, right? So people right now, uh, we have a number of clients who have felt very uncomfortable about selling their, their family home in order to go shopping for something that they might not find. So it, just from a negotiating standpoint, if you are doing a subject to sale, I, in my experience, the best way to negotiate on that is to play the, the margins uh, between your property and what you think the market value is of your property in a real, realistically to sell it in, in relation to the property you're buying. You don't necessarily make the case, hey, I just want a really good deal. It's more the case, I have to sell my house there's a gap that we're playing here that if the gap becomes larger, then our move doesn't make sense. And, uh, and we'll have to put our pre- property on the market for a higher price and it likely won't sell in that market. So we have to get a good deal on the buy side in order to get our property sold. Yeah, totally, Matt. I, I, I agree. But you know what? I know, um, you're, you're on the road. It's, it's the end of, uh, it's almost coming up on the end of summer. So everybody should get out and enjoy this uh, last month of, of really good good weather here. Um, and uh, it sounds like you're somewhat enjoying it, Matt. I, I am enjoying it. I'm actually in a, a, a thunderstorm in Revelstoke right now. So uh, wow. I should actually focus on uh, on driving here. Uh, but before we go, Adam, there are a couple things we, we need to talk about. One is, who's getting a book this week? Yeah, Matt, we have a winner for our book giveaway, which is Vancouverism, a signed copy of Vancouverism, I should say, by Larry Beasley. It's got a personal note to you, the listener. And I got to say, it's a it's a nice little note that Larry wrote you. It's a nice little note on a, on a very nice little book. It's a fantastic book. And it's not a little book, Matt. It's it's a information-packed book. Um, really exciting. Uh, anyways, we do have a winner this week from the reviews, and I'm going to read it. Secret drum roll, please. Okay, and this week's winner is Jacon13. I, I don't know if 13's his last name or her last name. Um, but congratulations, Jacon. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So we we drew this name, and I'm gonna actually read Wait, the review Jacqueline? as well. Jacqueline or Jacon? No, no, Matt. Jacon. J o k k o n. I'm I'm J-O-K-K-O-N. guessing it might be. Um, you know, like the way that you uh, use um, Starboy33 as your handle on um, 
the gaming sites. I'm guessing that Jacon is is something like that. So so Jacon says, great podcast. This podcast and other resources convinced me to get into the market earlier this year. Thanks, and please keep doing what you are doing. Okay. <laughs> like impromptu episodes through the mountains. All right. <laughs> we'll, <keep it> up. <laughs> well, no, you know what? And we're back to our regular format. So we appreciate uh, all of our listeners. And it is the middle of summer. Hopefully uh, you've enjoyed our, our summer stretch here. But we're back to business, back to regular programming. Uh, Matt is back tomorrow, and uh, next week's episode is going to be a good one. So stick around for that. And Jacon, get in touch. You've got a book signed by Mr. Larry Beasley. And and for everybody else who wants to get in touch, we got a few different ways. One is VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for an updated news feed. We got the live wire. We have PCS, Adam. What's PCS? Matt, if you are not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor-level information at your fingertips. You get to see it all. We can create specific searches for you. All you have to do is go to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash PCS, sign up, and we will be in touch to set up your free account. That's right. It's it's the best research tool out there. We got the deal of the month. We got assignments coming at you. It's, there's so much going on over there. If you want to talk about the market or anything else, uh, I will be back at the office tomorrow, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or I'm here today, 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Good projection secret. I was going to say that sounds better over my phone. It sounds, yeah. You should have heard it in the studio. It's like a, he's like <laughs> a right. young Barry White. Yeah, it's something like that. Have, have, All right, guys. Enjoy the, enjoy the week, and we'll be back next week with a, a fantastic interview. You don't want to miss this. Happy city. See us. Find us at Rec Beach. Have a great summer, guys. 2,000 faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 